glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. <clears throat> Let me just back up a little bit so we can read this in context. In verse 1 it says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Now skip down, if you would, to verse 7. A time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. I believe it's here in Ecclesiastes. The Bible says that the wise man discerneth both time and judgment. What we want to be able to do with the help of the Holy Spirit of God is to discern when it's a time to keep silence and when it's a time to speak. Now if you went over to Proverbs, just a few pages back, Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 9. The Bible says in verse 1, The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him, What my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows, give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to give you some verses in the New Testament that I think might help put the aim of this message in its proper context just from the start. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul gives a prayer request, and we'll come to this at the end of the message, Lord willing, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication for all saints in verse 18. Then he says in verse 19 of Ephesians 6, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20 talks on, and, and we'll read that later, God willing, about uh, speaking and making known the mystery and speaking as he ought to speak. And then if we were to look in Acts chapter 8, and I'll just read this, you don't have to turn there. Acts 8.35, the Bible says of Philip, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. We find Acts 10.34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God has no respecter of persons. He said that to Cornelius and began to preach to him the gospel. And then we find of our Lord and Savior, Matthew 5.2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... What we want to look at tonight is king, uh, uh, Solomon, the king, in Proverbs 31. I understand he was the king of Israel, but I do believe this. As a child of God, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the position that Solomon held as a king is a likeness to the position we hold as children of God. Uh, Solomon had a, a godly heritage. He was of the, the, the seed of David, if you would, and because of his relation to King David, it gave him a tremendous position to make a difference in the lives of other people. When I read of Solomon's position as a king, and I'll speak of that more in just a moment in our outline of the message, 
but it draws our attention to some principles that apply to us and some things we need to consider. And what I want to look at is the two verses in Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9, where he is instructed by his mother, Solomon, there's going to be a time when you're in a position, you're going to know the truth, you're going to have the ability to speak the truth and make the difference in the life of another person. When you do, open your mouth. When you have this opportunity in front of you, that's going to be one of our our points here in a moment, then you're going to have to open your mouth and you're going to have to declare what you know to be true as far as judgment is concerned. The king was to judge between people, their disputes and their arguments. When there was a conflict between people, one of the things we see Solomon coming to right away, no sooner does he get on the throne, two women who were both wicked women, harlots, Both had babies. One of them overlaid the baby in the night and it died, swapped the baby with the other mother. They come in, and who's to know the truth? You know what Solomon might have said? I don't want anything to do with this. I would rather just defer. You two women go solve your own problems. But I think he probably remembered what his mother said. Solomon, you've been endued with wisdom by God. You're going to have to open your mouth or people are going to suffer. You are in a position to make a difference in the lives of people. Therefore, you have an obligation that goes with that position. I believe with all my heart, the application is not only made to this king, but remember in Christ Jesus, we've been made what and what unto God? Kings and priests. I understand we're not ruling on earth yet, but I also understand we're salt and we're light. One of the things we were warned about by our Lord and Savior is not to put our light under a bushel. But we are to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. One of the burdens that we hear and one of the reasons I wanted to go ahead and read the verses in the New Testament, you hear the burden of Paul understanding he had a position that gave him a responsibility to open his mouth and give the truth concerning Jesus Christ. Yet I believe he also understood the pressure and the temptation there was to keep it closed. You see, when we speak, we expose what we believe. And when we expose what we believe, it brings about light on those who are giving, spreading darkness, if you would, or promoting darkness. And so I want to hone in, especially on Proverbs 31. We're going to hone in on Solomon and what his mother was saying to him. Remember, this is a book of wisdom. And so we don't think that the Lord simply puts these first nine verses in here so that we can look and see what Solomon's mom was telling him as a historical account. No, this is to impart wisdom to us. We're supposed to take the application of this, say, okay, where do I fit in this, and apply it in our lives. Let me just say on a side note, one of the texts of Scripture that, that people who like to promote Christians drinking alcohol, they love to run to Proverbs 31 and say, here Solomon is encouraged to give wine to people. Yeah, to the perishing. And how many ever say something like this? You know what? If somebody wants to make fun of so-and-so, let them do it. I don't have time for that. Are we really counseling someone else to make fun of somebody else or saying, let, Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. Was he really giving counsel on how to perform funerals or telling Christians not to get distracted? So Solomon's mother's doing it. She's not counseling anybody to drink alcohol. She's saying, Solomon, don't you do it. If somebody's going to do it, you let somebody else do that. You have something more important to do with your life than get drunk and let your mind be spoiled and ruined. For Christians, I don't know of any verse wiser to say, 
It's not for Christians, O Christian, to drink wine. Let the lost do the drinking. They're the ones perishing, but not save people. We have too important of a job to do than to get our minds all sullied up with some substance that causes us to forget our responsibilities. So that's a separate message for a separate time. I wanted to cut, I wanted to touch that though because it's such a controversy uh, in our day of people who claim to love the Lord and promote the drinking of a substance that mars their judgment, turns them into fools, and we're told to be sober, to be vigilant, and I don't see anything in Scripture that would ever give anybody the idea that a sincere Christian ought to pursue the drinking of alcohol. And so I just wanted to touch that while we were here. Just in case you get somebody wants to argue with you about that, you can open your mouth and speak forth wisdom. Amen? And uh, so then, uh, may, may, may the Lord help with this message. My desire is to make some practical applications that will, that will help us to know when it is time for us to speak up. How many of you have ever had the opportunity, maybe you're hearing a conversation taking place and you're uh, brought in on that and you've had the opportunity to speak up and clarify and tell what the Word of God has to say only to hold your peace and keep your mouth closed and later think, I was wrong. Man, I should have spoken up. And I believe this, when I come into this series of messages on the Christian and our tongue, this is, be honest with you as I study, this is one of the aspects of the study that has kind of surprised me, is that I really anticipated, and we may still deal more with some things we should not do with our tongue. But the way the Lord has led me in this series, and I can't get away from it, is really where we're at tonight, and that is what we should do with our tongue. In studying what the Bible has to say, what we shouldn't do with our tongue, I find if we would do with our mouths what we're supposed to, we would not be able to do what we're not. If our tongues are busy edifying, they cannot be busy backbiting. If our tongues are busy and occupied with only speaking the truth, you cannot at the same time be speaking lies. If I am using my tongue to proclaim the truth in order to bless hearers, I'm not going to be able to use my tongue at the same time to curse hearers. Are you with me tonight? And so may I encourage us tonight to know what we should be saying, when we should be speaking. I think one of the great sins of Christians today, and probably in any period of time, it's not unique to today, but one of the sins we're guilty of is silence. Just silence. We are the pillar and the ground of the truth. How many of you know it's one thing to believe it and it's another to speak it openly where others know you believe it? It's one thing for you to personally believe your Bible is infallible, that it's perfect. It's another to pipe up when somebody's criticizing it and say, I'm one of those that believe it. I was talking to a man we were witnessing, trying to witness to a man last week of a different, he is in 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 a cult of a religion. And he's talking to me, he said, yeah, some of you, there are some preachers out there that they preach saved by grace. Saved by grace. And boy, he just kind of ripped into preaching saved by grace. I said, I'd be one of those. That's me. Because that's what the Bible says. Amen? My point is this. I know in my own personal life, the temptation there is to be silent when it's time to speak up. The temptation is to speak when I ought to be silent. But tonight we want to focus on there are times when if we do not speak, we are sinning. We're doing wrong. There's a time, as the Ecclesiastes says, there is a time to speak. I believe between Proverbs 31, we'll go over to Proverbs 24 here in just a few moments, we'll see uh, some principles and things that, that will help us know 
when it's time for us to speak up. Now, let's look at Solomon and consider, first of all, the opportunity that he's given. Solomon's given an opportunity. I believe that's what his mother is speaking to him from. Solomon's a king. He's not a pauper on the street. He's not someone of little influence. He has been given a position of tremendous influence in the land. I'll say it again. This is where there's a correlation between Solomon and us. The Bible says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. God did not put Bonners Ferry Baptist Church in Bonners Ferry, Idaho for us to exist without anybody out there knowing what we hold to be true. God did not put this church here for us to have our little corner, have our little church services, encourage one another, and silently exist while the world around us believes lies and goes to hell. We are sat here to be like a city on a hill to shine forth outside the walls of this building what we believe on the inside of this building. That's our place. That's why we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature because we did not give a a message to conceal. We were given a message to preach. I believe this. We ought to ask ourselves, when was the last time I opened my mouth and gave the gospel to another human being? I believe, I'm glad for this. I'm glad for opening our hands. I'll be honest with you, I, to this very day, get nervous about handing somebody else a track. I shouldn't, but I do. Because I'm not sure how they're going to respond, whatever it may be. I'm glad for that. But I believe better than that is opening our mouth. Striking up a conversation. Talking to people. And declaring to them the things we know that are true. I honestly don't know of anything that will strengthen your personal faith in the Word of God more than sharing it by proclamation. I don't like the word sharing. Giving it by proclamation to another person. When you tell someone else, this is what I believe, it is tremendously strengthening to your own faith. That's why proclaiming the gospel is part of our armor. When we're not opening our mouth and giving the gospel to someone else, we are exposing our feet to great damage. It's an unprotected part of our lives. You see, if we will use our feet to proclaim the truth to others, we'll not be using our feet to do things we ought not to. And so my point is this. Solomon was given an opportunity as a king. You and I are given a very similar opportunity as a Christian. I find this. He was given an opportunity by who his parent was. He's got a mother here. We would assume this is Bathsheba instructing her son. She calls him Lemuel. It's assumed this is like a pet name for her son. But she has, he has a parent that cares enough to instruct him to let him know, Solomon, you cannot take your responsibility. You cannot take your opportunity lightly. You know what? We have a similar experience. We have a parent who cares for us a lot better than Bathsheba. We have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us, crying, Abba, Father, calling us in prayer, enabling us and empowering us to live the lives that God has called us to. What I'm trying to say is by Solomon's very birth, he had David for a father. He has this woman Bathsheba who had been forgiven, obviously, for her sin, but is caring enough to instruct her son and prepare him for the opportunities he has. Here's the correlation I want to draw. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. You and I are not left without instructors to help us know what to say when it's time to open our mouth The key, the key. By the way, how many of us agree that the Holy Spirit of God is a better parent than David or Bathsheba? Yet what we see here is that David had a parental instructor in his life, excuse me, Solomon, telling him, you're going to have an opportunity to open your mouth. I want you to be ready for that and not forego that. I want you to be ready to open your mouth when it's time. 2 Peter chapter 1. This has become one of my favorite texts of Scripture of late. Uh, The Bible says in... 
verse 2. Uh, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And it goes on to talk about the exceeding great and precious promises. What I wanted to point out is in verse 3, that the Lord has given us through the Lord Jesus Christ all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Would this include the ability to open our mouths and speak the truth? Absolutely. That's part of our responsibility. Some would say, uh, and I've heard all kinds of different excuses at times or reasons for why we don't open up and speak up more than we do. Well, that's not my personality. This has nothing to do with personality. I don't find Bathsheba saying, Now, Solomon, you've got a good personality, so you be sure and speak up. She said, You've got a position. You have a responsibility to speak up. It had nothing to do with personality. It had to do with position. Some would say, Well, I'm not gifted to be an evangelist. And by the way, this, doesn't, this is not exclusive to just giving the gospel to the unbeliever. I believe this includes giving words of exhortation to fellow believers. Sometimes we get brethren or believers that are weak in the faith and they need to hear the truth from us. They've believed a lie and don't know how to respond to the adversary as he, uh, as he deals with them and you and I have a responsibility. But Solomon's responsibility that his mother is teaching him really had nothing to do with his personality. It had nothing to do with his gifting. It had to do with his position. You are the son of the king, Solomon. Now you are a king. And you are in a position to do what is right for other people. You have the position uh, to make a difference in the lives of people. People who are either perishing because of, uh, uh, that need compassion or maybe they're opposed uh, in pride, but you have an opportunity to make a difference. And so the opportunity he was given was by his position that he gained by his birth. Solomon was born into this position, even as you and I are born into the family of God. We are ambassadors for Christ Jesus, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so our opportunity that we have is not because of our personality. It's not necessarily because of the gifts we've been given. In the sense, you don't have to be a gifted evangelist or a gifted teacher or a gifted exhorter. How many of us believe this? Only those with the gift of exhortation in the church should exhort other Christians. I mean, just believe that. Because if we're going to go that route, because here's what some people believe. I don't have the gift of evangelist. I don't really evangelize. Well, I don't have the gift of giving, so I don't ever give any money. Does that work? That just doesn't work. So my point is there are certain people that are gifted that way that can teach the rest of us how to do it better. But the fact is we all have these responsibilities. And so Solomon's opportunity was through his birth, because of the parenting he had, he was given a position Because of the parenting he had, he was given a wealth of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Remember what Solomon prayed for when God said you can ask for anything? He prayed for wisdom. And God gave it to him. Gave him wisdom. And therefore, to whom much is given of the same is much required. We'll get to his obligation here in just a few moments. Right now we're talking about his opportunity. He had an opportunity because of his birth, his parents. He had an opportunity because of his position uh, he had through his birth. He had an opportunity because of his possession, the wisdom that he held. He had an opportunity to do something for other people. Look with me, if you would, very quickly at 1 Corinthians one thirty before we move on. Through the new birth, you know what we have through the Lord Jesus Christ? We have wisdom. The Bible says, let me back up just a little bit. How many of you think people in this world need the wisdom of God? 
They're making their decisions based on the wisdom of men. They're making their decisions based on money, based on sensual pleasure, and they need someone to say, this is not going to end well for you, to release them from the lies and the snares of the devil who has set them up for, for, for destruction. And they need someone to speak wisdom to them. We have it. We have an opportunity because of the resources we've been given in the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And the reason I point this out is we might look at Solomon and say, but Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. Every child of God has access to all the wisdom of God. You say, why do we bring this up? There's a time when maybe we know we should speak and we say, I just wouldn't know what to say. Well, doesn't it behoove us to ask the Lord to teach us what to say? When we come, because I'll get to the point here in a minute, when we come across people who need to hear the truth because all they've ever heard is lies. They need to hear the truth about who the Lord is. They need to hear the truth about who they are. They need to hear the truth about eternity. They need to hear the truth about sin. They need to hear the truth about righteousness, about the mercy of God, about the goodness of God to those who trust Him. They need to hear those truths. And sometimes what we'll say is, well, I don't really have the ability. I don't know how to converse with people. I got news for you. As you deal with sinners, that's one of the first things you'll realize is, oh my, I need wisdom to deal with people like this. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I believe we have very much in common with Solomon tonight. We have a position through the new birth of great opportunity. We have been given such tremendous opportunity. You and I, as saved people, have access to all the wisdom of heaven to address the needs of people all around us, if we but will. How many of you understand what the sin in Luke chapter 10, in the, in the account of the Good Samaritan, what was the sin of the priest that walked down that road? Did he sin? What was his sin? What did he do that was so sinful? It's not what he did. It's what he didn't. What about the Levite? Same. It's not what he did. It's what he didn't. What about us? Sometimes it's not what we say that's so sinful. It's what we don't. We are a conversation of co-workers discussing what they believe about God. And we know they're expressing a belief system that's going to bring them to hell someday. And what do we say? Nothing. And Solomon's mother says, no, no, you've got to open your mouth. Yeah, and I understand we need wisdom as to when. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. But what I want to do with us tonight is there are times when the time to open the mouth and speak is there and we forego. And there's a time to speak. We have an opportunity. Number two, look at the occasion. So here's where we, we, we marry the opportunity with the occasion. Back to Proverbs 31. The occasion... So who and when should we speak up for? Now, we can't cover all of that tonight. So I want to just stay in the text of Proverbs 31 and Proverbs 24 to see when the Bible specifically says this is a time you cannot sit back and say nothing. You cannot be silent in these moments, at these occasions, when you're a king and you're looking at a circumstance of an individual and you can see what's taking place, you cannot remain silent. 
Proverbs chapter 31, and we're going to make both spiritual and some earthly physical application here with the Lord's help. Verse, uh, let's back up again uh, to verse 4. He says, she says, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. So she says, you have an opportunity because you're a king and the occasion is going to come that afflicted people are going to come before you. Your judgment can relieve their affliction if you will but be ready to speak. Then verse 8, open thy mouth for the, the dumb. Those are those, we'll call those the altered. They should be able to speak but they can't. They cannot defend themselves. They cannot speak up for themselves. They need someone to be their mouth, just like a blind man needs somebody to be their eyes. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. She deals with two basically classes of people right here, three, that we're going to address. Number one, those that are altered those who do not have the ability to speak for themselves, those who have no answer in their mouth, some need someone to step in and say, I'll speak for them. I find in Psalm 51, after David's great sin, he asked God, open my mouth and I will show forth thy praise. What took David's tongue from him? His sin. How could he answer? May I say this, we're going to have people who I believe that, you think about John 10, we won't turn there, but I'm reminded of John 10, I believe it's verse 9, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. There are those who have no answer to return to the accuser. None. They have sinned. They know they've sinned. They have no recourse. They have no answer. I'm guilty as charged. There's a time when you and I must speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Can I give you, as I was studying this, let me just give you a very practical cultural application. Who more than the unborn today are dumb and have no voice? I believe this. It is a sin for us. And I pray about this. Lord, I don't know what else to do for the unborn who have no one to speak for them, but I believe this text of Scripture says we must. So may I put it this way, when we're out in the culture and someone says, well, you know, what's your view on abortion? I remember standing in the bus yard one day, and I don't remember how my part in the conversation went. I I don't remember. I don't remember how all that went. I do remember a couple of men standing there, and one of them, uh, an acclaimed, saved Baptist, said, well, I'm against abortion except for maybe in rape and incest in this case and this case. Are you serious? It's our responsibility. And again, I I don't remember how all that went, but I remember hearing that and thinking, I I cannot believe today at this moment I pray, Lord, what else can be done? Because I believe what we have by way of abortion in our country today is nothing short of the Holocaust of 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 Nazi Germany. You know how many people say, how could people in Germany sit by and watch the Jews be killed by the millions? The same way we stand and watch our babies be butchered by the millions. One of the only things I know to do is what I'm doing right now. and Say it's wicked, it's abominable, and no Christian should stand by and say, I understand someone else's position that advocates for the murdering of the unborn who have no voice of their own. Very practical, social evil of our day where you and I have to speak. 
because they have no voice. None. And I believe it's exactly what she's talking about. You, Solomon, know the truth. You, Solomon, have a responsibility to open your mouth when there are those who are appointed to destruction and you can speak up on their behalf. And again, may God help us to have a bigger platform and a bigger voice, but I don't think we'll have any voice till we open the one we've got. Can I just say something here? This is not intended to be a message about standing against abortion. I think there's a great danger for churches to get all wrapped up in social issues. But this is an issue of evil and good, and the pillar and ground of the truth should speak loudly and clearly. One of the reasons we've been silenced about our voice against the murder of the unborn is because many times we have the same attitude toward children. We're just not willing to kill them in the womb. You know what the number one reason for killing babies in the womb is? They're a financial burden. If you have them, they're a financial burden. How do Christians speak up against that when the attitude is generally the same? We ought to ask, what is it that's silencing my tongue for, tr- for speaking the truth? What is it that robs me of my voice when my voice ought to be loud and clear and, and unashamed for the truth? And so then, she says, there's going to be a time when there are those who are altered, who are set for affliction. They have no one to defend them, no one to step up. May I say, let's go a little further. There are people in our nation today who are abused by sin and they're not allowed to speak. And again, whose job? Ours. You think about many that the Lord Jesus healed, many that were dumb and blind and deaf. How did, the, how did that pharisaical society of their day handle those people? Shove them aside. Shove them aside. You know what our Lord did? He came and he became their voice. He became the eyes of the blind. He became the mouth of the dumb. He became what he was. He knew his opportunity, and therefore uh, he knew that the occasion called for him to speak. And so, when we have those that are altered, those that cannot speak for their own for their own defense, whether it be physically or spiritually, I believe this, and I'm going to try to get a little bit closer to home. And God's going to, have to give us wisdom how to do this. I told our children the other day, I said, I think our bus would be full if we could get parents to get out of the way and let their kids do what they would like to do, and that's go to church. I mean that. Therefore, I believe we have an opportunity and an occasion to speak on their behalf. I don't know. I do. We do. We go back. We talk to parents. We treat them, let the children come. I don't think the thing to do is to stay at home and say, oh, well. I believe we, we, we do today. We have, a, we have a, a, a younger generation that would be happy to come and hear the word of God and yet there are those who are silencing that, stealing that opportunity and I don't mean get an attitude about it. I say we have an occasion to be a voice of reason in the lives of those people and say, hey, these young people need the word of God. Amen? And so the altered, those that are dumb, the afflicted, that's the poor and the needy. She mentions the judgment of any of the afflicted. Those that are poor and needy, and certainly this deals with physical poverty. Those people who are poor don't get a voice. I mean, that's, they don't get someone to stand in the, in the way for them. So we're definitely dealing with physical poverty. But what about those who have been ransacked by Satan in their lives? How about those that are spiritually poor? Those that are deficient of the knowledge of the Bible because they've been so taken by Satan and sin. I believe that's why we go out and we knock on a door. And we say, we want to give you something, please read this. Men today, they know about the Bible, know very little of the Bible. Is that not our job to say, hey, 
You are poor and afflicted spiritually, but we have the truth that will expose your oppressor. Satan is an oppressor. And you know what he uses to bind people? What he uses to rob them of their mental capability? Rob them of their, uh, rob them of eternal life itself is the lies that he tells. And we have the opportunity to go and say, no, but that's not right. You believe that everybody's okay and that all are just gonna end up in heaven. Friend, that's not true. You must know the truth. I'm trying to say this, we, we, we are around spiritually poor and needy people every day who have been absolutely stripped of everything by the devil himself and we have an opportunity and an occasion to speak truth to them about who it is that's robbed them, about what it is that has left them destitute on the side of the road, beaten and half-naked spiritually. We have that opportunity, we have that occasion, and that brings us to our third point, then we have an obligation. Opportunity plus occasion means obligation. We are in a position as children of the king, in a position as possessors of the wisdom of God. How many of us have read our Bible consistently, daily, for years? How many of us in this room read your Bible every day? Meaning it would be, when I ask that, you say, I forgot one time two years ago on a Tuesday. Now, if you're not in the habit of reading your Bible every day, you need to do that. But most people in this room tonight, you're in the habit of reading your Bible every day. We are the possessors of the wisdom of God. We don't read our Bibles to tuck it in our head and do nothing with it. What's in this book must come out of our mouth, friend, because of the poor and the needy. Because of those when asked, what are you going to do when you stand before God? And they go dumb. They have no answer. I don't know. I guess I'll find out when I get there. That's no good. You and I do have the answer. You know encourages me? Without any, without any hesitation, any one of us in this room can tell somebody, say, what are you going to do when you die? I don't know. What's God going to do with you when you die? I met a man today. He said, I don't know. I said, do you want to know? You can tell us, man, I'm not overly concerned. Well, I can't help much further than that. But I can say you can know. God has told you beyond any questionable, any shadow of a doubt, how you can know that you're ready to meet your judge. And you don't have to say, I'm dumb. I don't know. You and I, we have the answer. We have an occasion. And so then, our opportunity, because of our position in the family of God, the possession of wisdom we've been given, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have an occasion. There are altered, spiritually altered, afflicted people all around us who are appointed to death. Turn with me to Proverbs 24, if you would. Proverbs 24. How many of us, <laughs> I don't have any label that I would hate to have slapped on me more than that man's a fool. How many of us want to be a fool? You know what a fool is? Someone who just doesn't have wisdom. You know, we can be a committed fool, meaning we're a fool because we refuse wisdom, or we can be foolish because we just are ignorant. But either way, we need not be foolish when we have such wisdom in our hands. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 7 says this, Wisdom is too high for a fool. He openeth not his mouth in the gate. I encourage you, study gates in the Bible. The gate is where the decision makers would meet. It's where judgment would be passed. It's where Boaz uh, made his case to marry Ruth and purchase her land. It was in a gate. 
I find it very interesting, Psalm 127, talking about low children are inherited of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Uh, they, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. In the gate is where you'll find the, the children that have been brought up in the things of the Lord boldly meeting the enemy in the gate. It's the gate where the enemy tries to infiltrate and overtake a home. It's the entry and exit point. It's the decision-making portion of someone's mind, if you would. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But it's the fool who went in the gate when judgment is being made says, I have nothing to say. He has no wisdom for anybody to make definitive decisions. No, nothing to speak up. Listen, out there, the gates of hell are there. We are supposed to meet our enemy in the gate and have something to say. When Satan puts a lie in the mind of someone else and that lie comes out of their mouth, it is our responsibility to say, no, that's not true. This is what the Word of God says instead. And we should be able with boldness and clarity to meet the lies of Satan in the gate. Those arrows that are fiery darts met with a shield of faith and the Word of God girt up in the loins of our mind ready to oppose the liar that deceives men and cast that down in the gates when he comes and tries to deceive people into believing they must be bound in sin. They must go into eternity not knowing where they're going. They must live an ungodly life even though they've been saved. How many know how many people they are born again and think that they have to continue in a life of ungodliness and disobedience? That's not true. So it's our job to speak the truth in the gate. But the Bible says of the fool... Wisdom is too high for a fool. He openeth not his mouth in the gate. In that decision-making place where judgments are rendered and wise men speak, the fool says, I have nothing to say. He can't, he can't open his mouth when he should. So folly, we find in Proverbs 24 and in Proverbs 31. What did Solomon's mother warn him not to do? She said, it is not for kings of Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, lest they forget judgment. You know, she's saying, don't be a fool, or you'll not be able to open your mouth when you need to. How many of us know there is physical alcohol that mars your mind, but there's also spiritual intoxications. There's doctrine that will dull your thinking and shut your mouth and mind when it ought to be opened. Can I just, I'm going to say something. Calvinism is such doctrine when we ought to be opening our mouth and pleading with whosoever will, we have men saying, well, I wouldn't want to give the gospel to someone who's not ready. I wouldn't want to pick green fruit. Don't. But open the mouth and preach the gospel. Amen? We have a doctrine that has silenced the mouths of thousands of Christians who ought to have them open. A foul doctrine that's based in pride and slothfulness and keeps men silent when we ought to speak. That's why I preach against it. It's a wretched doctrine that men use the Bible to twist and pervert. But I'm going to tell you what the net result has been. I'm not going to speak up in the gate. I'm just trying to say there is physical intoxication. There's spiritual intoxication. It's very interesting to me. In Proverbs chapter 7, you read of the strange woman. She not only represents what we know she represents, but she also represents false religion. and False doctrine that silence us where we ought to be bold. And where we ought to speak, may I say this, if I or you hold a doctrine that causes us to disobey God's great commission and then justify it in the name of doctrine, somewhere we have been fooled. And we're to open our mouth and proclaim the truth. So 
uh, for the altered and the afflicted and those appointed to death. Proverbs 24, verse 11 says, If thou forbear, meaning when you should have spoken up and you didn't, if thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? Is this not said in the context of wisdom's too high for a fool? He openeth not his mouth in the gate. And if you are there and you know you ought to speak up for those that are drawn unto death, your words could spare their lives. And you forbear and say, I, I didn't know. Isn't God going to hold us accountable? Our final point, again, is our obligation. So we have an opportunity because of our position as children of God. We have an occasion because of those who are marred by sin, those who have been duped by the devil. I think of the Gadarene. You know what I think about the Gadarene? When Jesus met him in the gate, and the word gate is not used in that text, but he met him on the outskirts of town. Do you know what opposition Jesus faced in going there? A storm on the seas. Disciples that questioned whether he cared for them, whether he loved them or not. When he landed on the shore, he met a man without his clothes on, cutting himself, breaking chains, and asking him, please go. You know what Jesus did? Opened his mouth. Now, you and I don't have the same authority that the Lord Jesus Christ does in that sense. If he authorized us to go do it, we would. But he spoke to Satan and released that afflicted man who was bound for hell. And before the day was done, he was clothed and seated and in his right mind at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. What if the Lord Jesus had said, well, I perceive with all this opposition, it must not be the sovereign will of my Father to go. And he went and he opened his mouth. How many people perish because they've never heard the truth? Some say, I don't believe that. I just don't. How then shall they call on him of whom they have not? How shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a? Preacher, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. So the obligation, number one, if we're going to open our mouth in the gate, we must prepare. We must prepare. Back to Proverbs 31. You know what Solomon's mother was telling him? Solomon, you must prepare for the opportunity and the occasion to speak to those who are afflicted and appointed to death, those who are marred and cannot speak for themselves. There are those whose enemies are taking advantage of their neediness and going to destroy them, and you have the opportunity to speak and make a difference. And so then we must prepare. What she says is, don't drink, don't mar your mind. Don't mar your mind with, with alcohol. And for us, we're told Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Can I, can I just, in the principle of this, just in the principle of this, one of the reasons I, I, I earnestly concern over the level of the world's entertainment, and I think the world has no right to entertain us, one of the reasons I'm concerned about the, the level of addiction Christians have to entertainment is you know what I think it does? It has a very similar effect on the mind of a Christian as alcohol does on the mind of anybody. It has a way to desensitize us to spiritual things. It dulls our spiritual senses. It causes us to, to think lightly of sin. We start dismissing the seriousness of sin. One of the things I've found in my own life, even with clean Wholesome entertainment, at times what it can do is it can dull my spiritual senses and my sensitivity to the needs of others so that when it's time for me to speak, I'm not even thinking about it. 
So I say this tonight, we need to caution against anything that would dull our spiritual senses, cause us not to be able to hear the pleading and the working of the Holy Spirit of God saying, you're my mouth right now, speak. The Bible says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. People say one of the primary, we have false teachers say, well, you know you've been filled with the Spirit when you speak in tongues. Not true. You know you're filled with the Spirit when you witness for Jesus Christ. When we're a witness of the the death and burial and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's when you see that the Spirit of God, I'm not talking about somebody feigning that. I'm talking about when the Spirit of God is in rule in our lives, He's going to work so that we open our mouths and speak forth the truth. And so then, we find there must be preparation. 1 Peter 3.15, we looked at a couple weeks ago, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Solomon's mother said, Son, you have an opportunity and you have an occasion, so you have an obligation to be ready when those occasions come to speak. You don't have your mind marred with alcohol so that when you have the occasion to relieve the afflicted, to step in and rescue the perishing, you don't forego that opportunity. You and I have the same responsibility as Christians, as children of God, to be prepared. It's our duty to know the Bible. It is our duty to have word of the Word of God ready to answer the lies of Satan. That's what it means. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. Meaning your life and mine is separated unto one purpose, and that is the purpose of God, none other. How do we do that? We must gird up the loins of our mind. Again, I'll say it. It is our duty to have our hearts and minds filled with the Bible. It's our duty to be ready to give an answer to every man. And that doesn't happen on accident. It happens in the prayer closet. It happens in your Bible reading. It happens in Scripture memory. It happens by meditating on God's Word. In church tonight, there are all kinds of people out here that we have an opportunity. We're going to have a conversation. Something's going to come up. How many of you know? How many of you know there are people all around us that have believed lies of Satan and he is beaten and bruised them, and we can say, hey, I feel sorry for you. They need more than that. They need the truth of God's Word. And it's our duty to be prepared. Prepared. That's what Solomon's mother says. Don't get yourself in such a state that when you have the occasion to help the afflicted or those that are appointed to death by their oppressors or those who have no voice or mouth that you're not ready to speak. Let us not be like the fool who cannot open his mouth from the gate. May I say this, I believe it is the wisdom of God in the heart of a person that gives boldness. I believe Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church, I'm preaching from my heart to you tonight. Church, make it a prayer request that God would make us bold. Bold. That's one of the things lacking today in our churches, lacking in this church. That we would have. I'm grateful where I see it in this church. I'm grateful for some boldness here. But how many of us could honestly say we're as bold of a church as we need to be? You know what the early church prayed for? They didn't pray for money. They didn't pray for increased attendance. They prayed for boldness. Read Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5. That in the face of the lies of Satan, they would not flinch from the truth, but boldly and compassionately speak the truth. Would you join me? Pray, God, help us be bold. You know what boldness is? opening my mouth to speak the truth when I have the occasion 
because I have the opportunity. How many times under the pressure of what men think of us, we just stay quiet? God says through Lemuel's mother, open thy mouth for the dumb. Open thy mouth, judge righteously. Jesus said, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So we must have preparation. We must have principles in place that we're preaching about tonight. Because I have the opportunity and I have the the occasion, I have an obligation. And so there must be preparation. There must be the principles of responsibility to whom much is given of the same as much required. And then there must be, of course, proclamation. We must actually open our mouth. I find this. And we, we go through this a lot. But what is the best way to learn how to pray? We find the Lord wants us to pray. Pray. You can study about prayer, and I encourage it. You can read great books about prayer, and I encourage that. There's some good books on prayer. There are some men who can show us. You can go to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray. When you do, you know what you just did? Oh, look at there, you just prayed. The disciples started learning to pray when they started praying. Lord, teach us to pray. I've heard other preachers say, they didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know what the best way to learn how to open your mouth and know what to say? Say what you know you should say. Start with saying what you know and what I know I should say. May I say this tonight? I need what I'm preaching tonight. I need need what I'm preaching to you. But boy, we do need it. There's a time for us to open our mouth and just proclaim. Go with me to a couple more places Galatians chapter 6. How many of you are glad someone loved you enough to tell you the truth about your sinfulness? How many of you are glad that someone loved you enough to warn you about hell? You know what somebody had enough love to do and enough wisdom to do? Open their mouth. Someone in your life, whether it was personally or recorded over a, a, a message preached, Somebody had enough wisdom to open their mouth in the gate. You know what the gate is? It's what we call the marketplace of ideas. You know what? Humanism is on every corner today. Well, where's the gospel? It's not going to be there if we don't put it there. The gospel's not going to be in your workplace and mine if we don't put it there with our tongue. The gospel's not going to be on the doorsteps of Boundary County. The cults are there. One of the arguments I hear today for why we don't go house to house is, well, that's what the cults do. I don't have a better reason to then. If the cults are taking lies, shouldn't we take the truth? (laughs) We only don't if we have no more respect for our own message than we do for theirs. Amen? And so then, we have to have proclamation. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, As we therefore have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men especially unto them who are the household of faith. I wanted to look at that word opportunity because when we have an opportunity to speak the truth into someone's life, we have an obligation to do so. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. It is good to tell the men the truth about salvation. It's good to tell fellow believers. We're in a a period of time where a lot of believers are being deceived by apostates. Be Be a faithful enough brother or sister in Christ to speak the truth in love to a brother or sister in Christ. And say, you don't want to get mixed up in that kind of doctrine. That's going to ruin you. Parents, love your kids enough to not just let them chase whatever brand of theology they like. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. That's not where you want to go. That's a lie. Uh, We must open our mouth. James 4, 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is 
sin. I find tonight Solomon had an opportunity because of his position, because of his possession of wisdom, because of his parenting, his pedigree, if you would. He had an opportunity. He had an occasion. There were people that he had crossed paths with. And as a king, may I say this, if it gets known you're a Christian, people are going to ask for your judgment on issues. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Amen? They're going to test you. What do you think about this? Be ready. What an opportunity to open our mouth and speak the truth. We have an, Where there's opportunity, where there's a, a, a occasion, there's an obligation. Finally, in closing, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's read together Paul's prayer request. I believe Paul understood the battle we face in our flesh to stay silent because there is, there is the potential of endangering ourselves by speaking up. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. Verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may, may, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. There is undoubtedly people who confuse boldness with rudeness. They're not the same. Boldness is speaking the truth with courage, without fear, without apology. This is the truth because it's the word of God and we speak it without apology, not with arrogance and pride and nastiness. You'll be accused of that, I believe, if you speak it boldly. I find this, though, when Peter and John spoke boldly, they were accused of being with Jesus. <laughs> and so tonight, we have opportunity. We have many occasions. Therefore, we have an obligation to prepare ourselves, to not have our minds marred with folly and forgetfulness, but to be prepared by walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, being ready to answer every man. Anything short of this is not living up to our calling. Let the dead bury their dead. Let you and I meet the enemy in the gate and speak the truth to those who cannot speak for themselves. Speak the truth to those who are afflicted in sin, to those who are poor and needy through the oppression of Satan. Speaking the truth in love to one another, let's open our mouth when it's time. How many of us should just say, eh, there's times I should open my mouth and I, and I don't. Well, let's, 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 let's get that matter where it needs to tonight. Amen? I believe we all need this instruction. Let's receive it. And with God's help and by His grace, go plug it in this week. Spend time in prayer over it. Ask the Lord to help us be ready.